Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Well, yesterday, around noon or so, 12.30, I came to this realization that I had uh, never known of myself before. I don't like Croatian people. <laughs> not very much. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not vacationing there anymore. Uh, oh, right. I'm giving up my timeshare. I think Canada should stop all trade if we have any with Croatia. It's over between us. I'm building a wall. That's it. Okay. And I know some Croatian people always enjoyed their company, uh-huh. but no more. They're off. They're not in my house. <laughs> not at my table. <laughs> That's how passionate I feel about the what's that game again? Soccer. Right. right. Yes. Uh, boy, we four one. That's that's a big loss in soccer. Yeah, I think. Well, obviously, with results earlier, Morocco beating Belgium, uh, Canada knew they had to win and go for it. They might have tried to stretch things a little bit, got a little too thin, and and gave up more goals than they were expecting to. In the end, um, well, one, I think a lot of people only realized in the past couple of years Canada even had a men's soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two, it's tough to get to the World Cup. It took yeah. 36 years to get there. Even more difficult to win at the World Cup. I mean, they scored a goal, which Canada hadn't done before. So that's something. At a World Cup. Um, and, you know, it turns out it, it's not an easy tournament to win. Uh, so I think you know, coming off the strength of qualifying for it, if, mm-hmm. you know, some brand new fans to Canadian soccer were thinking, oh, we got a shot at this. Uh, slow your roll a little bit. You had to play some pretty good teams. Belgium was number two in the world. Uh, Croatia had been to the finals in the last couple of tournaments. So there was a very difficult path ahead for Canada and realizing now that there's still a long way to go to be not only at the world stage, we've gotten there, but competitive. Mm-hmm. At it. I blame Brampton. <laughs> Wait a minute. Paul Brampton. A couple days ago, you were all about how yeah. Brampton had provided like five players to the team. You know how I turn. Right. Yeah, I'm done with Brampton. I've handed it. I, I'm a hometown boy. I've given back my card. Right. Well, Brampton didn't want to win because even if they didn't, they couldn't light off fireworks. <laughs> when was the last time you think you bought a new couch? Uh, well, I guess it wasn't that long. Probably five, six years ago, actually. So you're going to have to get rid of it in about two more years. Really? Because they say the average couch lasts about eight years. Wow. Well, see, yes and no, because it'll be like the new couch mm. for like eight years, and then it'll move down to the basement, right. and it'll be the basement couch. Yeah. That one, which is probably about 20 years old or longer, will will get tossed. But isn't it true, though, even with like an old couch, you know, it it just it gets your indent. Like, I bet the one downstairs in the basement is still more comfortable than the one up in the living room. And what's interesting is, is we see perceived value in our own couch. Yeah. Right? Like, we'll look at the one in the basement and go, oh, it's, you know, it's still a great couch. Mm-hmm. We got that when we were just first together. Oh. And uh, we, uh, I, I, I napped on that couch. I love that couch. We used to make out on that right. couch. And then you'll <laughs> see someone else's couch of about the same age yeah. on the end of their driveway. And they're like, look at that piece of crap they've been <laughs> hanging on to for this long. Yeah. So uh, if uh, if you're coming up on eight years, that is uh, supposedly the timeline on a couch. But a couch has seen and witnessed a lot in your house. I oh, mean, my goodness. All the things it puts up with. And how do we say thanks? We sit and fart into it. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me think of, remember that, that story of the couch with, uh, like, all the fingernails and toenails in it? Yes. 
The guy collected, like, he oh. sit there. I forgot about that. <laughs> like, they bought, like, a used couch yeah. and just found, like, pounds of toenails. Oh, God. Clipped into it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like buying a used mattress. I don't think I can do it. Nope. No. No legs. I'll sleep on the floor. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, the couch has witnessed 311 arguments. All right. It suffered 316 drink spillages. No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. 311 arguments. How do you have more spillages than arguments? Because the second you spill, there's an argument coming. <laughs> there's got to be at least the same amount. Well, I think if you spill something, there's an argument. But when the kids are really young, you just mutter under your breath. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still to this day, I have such uh, PTSD, I guess. Not to be lighthearted with PTSD, but if I see a kid walking across the living room with a glass or a cup with no lid. Towards the couch. Anywhere. I'm in yeah. full panic. I'm in full panic. It's always just teetering. You know, it's swishing around in there. Whereas their apple juice isn't going to leave much of a stain. Your red wine oh, is worse. My couch looks like a murder scene. <laughs> How do you ever get drunk? Most of it ends up on the couch. That's a lot of blood spatter. Um, the average uh, couch will host you napping or the family 401 times. Okay. 8,500 hours of TV watching. That seems a little short. Yeah. Oh, I've already blown past that. Way past that. 537 movies. And it will swallow the remote 346 times. Hmm. Yeah. So. You like your couch? You like your current couch? I do like our couch. It's, uh, couch shopping isn't easy because you gotta go and test a lot of couches. You gotta put the put the bum to work on that one. Yeah, and, like, and the and the the arms of the couch is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of style that goes into them, but it's the style versus function mm. uh, can lead to. I think we had more arguments in buying the couch <laughs> than you got your stacks for eight years of couch. Right there, the bricks just screaming at each other. <laughs> I don't care what it looks like; it's not comfortable. I don't like ours so much because it doesn't go with my hump hassock. Like you're in the middle of the living room. I heard this um, groom's speech. A uh, gentleman out of Scotland just got married. And I watched the uh, video of him doing his speech, and I thought, i got to share this. It's a, it's a little long, but I thought it's, you know, it's brilliant because one of the things that uh, so many of us make a mistake in doing when we have to make a speech in any situation is going up thinking we can just wing it, and most of us cannot. Mm-hmm. You really, really have to put in some effort. And one of the things I've done over the years, if I've had to do any sort of speaking at a wedding or an event, is I kind of think about my my out. What's my big punch going to be at the end? Right. And then build back from that, right? Yes. What's, what do I want to leave them laughing at or thinking about? And then And, and I think he did... Exactly that. Now, I don't know what he does uh, for a profession, but he's, he's a really good speaker. And uh, one of the great things about this video, although you can't see it, is the look on his bride's face. As he's unveiling this story, you can tell she's like, oh, no. And at one point she drops in, and I hope you can hear it. If you can't, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share with you what she actually says. Um, so just take a listen to this. This is remember this the next time you have to write a speech and and follow this guy's lead from beginning to end. Now that said, my thank yous to my beautiful wife. Um, I do feel that Katie and I actually need to be a little bit more honest with you both. Today during the ceremony, David the celebrant mentioned that we met for the first time at the cricket club, got chatting and shared a kiss later that night. Whilst that is true. 
we left out a few bits along the way. <laughs> and I feel that I really need to fill in the blanks for you right now. So, yes, Katie and I did meet at the cricket club and we did have a chat. Katie did most of the speaking. <laughs> so the night went on, Katie talking at me, me nodding, laughing along with her jokes. And then we went on to Oren Moore and Katie and I went outside for a little chat. And that's where we shared our first kiss. No, wait. <laughs> now, after that, I apologised to Katie for my lack of chat. And although she'll deny it to this day, she, she said to me, why don't you take my number and we can meet up another time? <laughs> a, bit, a bit thirsty if you ask me. <laughs> I was so out of practice that I didn't even, didn't even take her number and instead went outside to get us a couple of drinks, being a gentleman that I am. Went to the bar, bought the drinks, went back outside to give her the drinks, only to find her snogging another guy. <laughs> Having spent some time with Jen and Katie together, I realised this is a fairly common occurrence for Katie. I know what So, in true, in, true, in true style of my own, I, I just downed the two drinks and went back on the dance floor. <laughs> Left Katie to kiss some other guy, and uh, still to this day I'm pretty nervous to go to the bar and leave her on a dinner. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. He knew his out, and he built back from there. Absolutely brilliant. Is you laughing through all of oh, this? Oh, yeah. Shocked at first that he was going to share the story, and then she drops in the, oh, no, wait. Yeah. Because he says, you know, we had our first kiss, and that seems very romantic. And no, no. It went somewhere else. That that was brilliant. Very good. And uh, that's rare. Rare that you get a, a groom or anybody speaking at any event mm. who can, uh, can do it that well. Plus, the accent helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you rock the accent with with clear. Mm. Sometimes you get a Scottish accent, you, mm. you have no idea what they've said afterwards. I do like the term snogging. Ah, yes. <laughs> Over the weekend, FIFA announced that Qatar was banning beer sales in all eight stadiums. Holy cow. This news comes despite the fact that Anheuser-Busch paid $75 million to make Budweiser the official beer of FIFA and the World Cup. After the announcement was made, Budweiser tweeted, well, this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> now, Qatar is a conservative Muslim nation that strictly limits alcohol. And when they originally bid for the World Cup years ago, they insisted they'd be cool with beer in the stadium. So it's the old bait and switch. There's so many rules, and I get it. Like, different places have you know, different uh, rules in their culture, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, when you're, when you're hosting a world event... Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've been gifted this or given this world. I mean, mm -hmm. you're not gifted because they paid a lot of money. But they're going to get a lot back for uh, it. To, to make this happen. But they're also getting a lot of flack. And there's mm -hmm. certain things. Like, like one thing is that, um, you know, gay relationships are not allowed. Homosexual relationships not allowed mm -hmm. uh, in, in Qatar. 
And to the point where, you know, there are people being turned away from the stadium because they've got anything with a rainbow on it. Wow. Right? There are some fans, I can't remember which country it was that uh, put together, um, had like these big uh, top hats, basically, which were rainbow in color, but they were an official team uh, merchandise, yeah. right? Uh, and they were told, no, you can't wear those into the stadium. Um, some of the captains of, of major world soccer teams were going to wear, captains wear an armband to, to signify that they're a captain. And, and instead of wearing just a regular one color one, we're wearing one that said one love on it. had a, sure. a like a heart, a rainbow, nice. a heart, heart on it. And, uh, and they were told not only, first they were going to be fined should they wear those, and then told that yellow cards would be given out. Now, not rainbow cards. No, very not uh, not rainbow cards. But which is interesting because you would think the yellow card rule is a FIFA rule, mm-hmm. not a Qatar rule, right? Like you know, the country of Qatar could fine you for wearing that, whatever, and you know, maybe the team pays the fine because they don't care. The country pays the fine, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, per game. But to give out a yellow card is now changing the rules of the game, right? Right. right? Qatar should look at this event. Like, like they're an alcoholic and they're hosting a party. You, you, you might not drink, but you're having people over who would like a sip. Uh, they don't play that game. No. So Budweiser, very smart of them. They're turning this into some free publicity. They've announced they'll ship all of the banned unsold beer to the country that wins the World wow. Cup. Yeah. They're serious, they say. We'll host the ultimate championship celebration for the winning country. Because for the winning fans, they've taken the world. More details will be shared when we get closer to the finals. How many government dick, 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 like, dick, will be at, at that party? Oh, yeah, they'll drink it right. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, you know, all these uh, all these big wigs yeah. that never watched a second of it. Yeah, and would never touch a Budweiser, <laughs> you know, only premium beer. Till it's free. Anheuser-Busch is uh, not just going to sweep this under the rug, though. They're reportedly asking for $74 million back from FIFA. Following the last minute deal that's no gone kidding. flat. So FIFA should go to Qatar and go give us forty seven million dollars. Right. You've you've done this. Seventy four, yeah. All uh, of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, if you're going, remember this, fans in the stadiums only have one option for beer, non alcoholic Bud Zero. But they are able to grab a real brew at a uh, several designated fan zones around the event. Gotcha. So it's all so weird. You can't have it inside, but you can still have it somewhere else. Sir. That's the only way I could get through a surgery. <laughs> hammered. Look who's on the line. The godfather of the grill for Helinda's Meats. It's Ted Reader. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Ted. How are you? Not too bad. Not too shabby. So, Ted, um, uh, when I was on vacation, we went down to uh, St. Kitts and Nevis, and one of the things we did, which was at the end of the weekend, was just uh, amazing, was we went to this uh, farm-to-table dinner way up in the rainforest of St. Kitts at this uh, resort, and it was set up on a on a, uh, a platform, a patio overlooking the ocean. V- beautiful. And they, they served a, a whole bunch of different uh, different things. There was fish and chicken, and there was a rice dish and a veg- vegetable dishes, and all, uh, just a wide variety of stuff, all from this farm, all very fresh and, and very, very good. But one of the things they served that I don't know that I've ever had was mutton. Mm. And, and I know that, you know, lamb is lamb, and I've had lamb many times, but I didn't realize, I guess, that when lamb becomes sheep and they're two or three years old, that's when it becomes mutton. 
Now, what, yes. first of all, what is the difference between lamb meat when it's a baby and when they become sheep and it becomes mutton? Well, the, the real difference is age. Lamb is, is usually uh, from a younger animal, mm. and the meat is a little more tender and a little sweeter. And mutton from an older animal is uh, a little stronger and a little tougher. Okay. And that's, that's the real big difference between the two. Now, with with mutton, then, if it's tougher or, or has aged, I guess it's something that you've got to uh, roast or, or really cook low and slow, like you would say, with ribs. Because this mutton kind of had a, a rib-type flavor to it. I mean, it was unbelievably tender and delicious. How would you prepare a mutton? Well, it all depends on the cut. And it, it comes down to uh, a low and slow braise would probably be the way that I would run with it mm -hmm. to help break down the muscle and, uh, and tenderize that meat. You know, you could use uh, something along the lines of like an Instapot and, uh, and, and work with it that way. It all depends on the cut, right? Mm -hmm. you, couldn't, you could get the loin meat, which would be pretty lean, um, and that you might be able to grill, uh, you know, to that medium rare and do it hot and fast. But most cuts, I would think, with, with mutton, you would stew them or braise them or slowly cook them so it breaks down and becomes extremely tender and and delicious. It's got lots of flavor. It's, it's got a big punch of that lamb note. It's not for everybody. It can be quite strong, um, but it's delicious and fantastic. Am I the only one who would go to a foreign country, see mutton chops on the menu, and think, is someone serving me sideburns at the end of all this? <laughs> Yeah, it was it was unbelievable, and the red wine really mixed well with it, I must say. But, I, of course, you know me, uh, everything is always a problem, and things fall apart right away. So it happened to be on the Friday night before we flew home, 24 hours out. You know, that's when you got to book your seats. So I'm on my phone, and this most beautiful scenic area, and I'm fighting with my phone. Everybody's diving into fish and chicken, and I'm screaming at my phone because I can't book my seats. And then this woman beside me, she's got the same app, and she's on her phone booking her seats. And it's like, click, click, she's done, and back to dinner. Maria can just see the steam coming out of my... On a farm in the Caribbean, yeah. you've got your phone out. I was trying to get on a different flight than Maria, and they, they wouldn't allow that. Anyhow. <laughs> Yeah, I was still trying to book on Pan Am. Is that around anymore? Hey. <laughs> all right, so now is all aged... Uh, I don't know how your wife puts up with you, yeah, Craig. So... I really don't. She's so wonderful to put up with the, <laughs> the stuff that comes out of your mouth, man. A lot of therapy, a lot of medication. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so is, uh, is all aged meat then considered mutton or is it just lamb? Just lamb. Okay. All right. Just lamb. Okay. Just lamb. And then there's different uh, there's different butchers. You'll you'll find mutton here in Ontario at uh, at different butcher shops. Not all of them carry it. it it's pretty special. Um, I, I've I've seen it at uh, different halal butchers mm -hmm. and uh, the Asian markets and places like that. It's it's just a stronger, bolder piece of lamb. That's for sure. All right. Yeah. Okay. I, I'd never had it before. Have you uh, ever had mutton, Lucky? I, I don't think I've ever had mutton. I've had lamb. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've had mutton unless, I, unless they didn't know the age of the animal. <laughs> it's lovely. It's of a mutton burger. It, mutton burgers would be pretty uh, pretty intense flavor. That would be, uh, but, but definitely could grind them up. Next year at the joint. <laughs> mutton burgers. At the joint. We'll put a special on there.
Craig's Mutton Burgers. That's right. All right, uh, Ted, thank you so much for explaining that. It's a braised meat or a roasted meat or, a, like you said, a, uh, a crock pot type of meat, not something you just throw on the, uh, on the grill. Not all the time, not all the time, but I'll give you a little. Yesterday, I, uh, for the very first time in my life, I pulled down this uh, Instant Pot from my shelf that I'd purchased about three years ago, and I used it, and I'd never used an Instant Pot before, and it was a whole brand new experience. Wow. uh, We did some uh, beef short ribs in there, and they were fantastic, and it took all of like 45 minutes. Right. Unbelievable. Hmm. Where yeah. have I been? It's kind of like <laughs> you've been outside of the grill. It's taking the pressure cooker to a new level, though, basically, right, Ted? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's uh, the things it can do. I, I can't wait to, <laughs> to play with it a little bit more. Watch this. Uh, He's going to throw the grills away. He'll be inside yeah. with his instant pot. Godfather is <laughs> instant pot. You go to Ted's backyard now, cast a, cast a barbecue, and it'll just be instant pots and pressure cookers. He's doing a, a brisket in 15 minutes. <laughs> Oh, man, and man, yeah. get this low and slow. This thing just works hot and fast. It's beautiful. Look at, look at Frank Flintstone here all of a sudden coming into the modern age. Unbelievable. Yeah, Teddy has only known fire and charcoal his whole life. He's come inside the house. His wife has allowed him in the kitchen. He's instapotting his life away now. Beautiful. That's it. That's it. There wasn't even a morsel left over. It was so oh. good last night. I tell you. Blew myself out of the water. We have the air fryer. We use that quite a bit, but I've never, uh, never bought an Instapot. We used an Instapot. Yeah, we've got one. Yeah, it's great. They're good? Yeah. Ready? That's it. That's it. No, moving forward now. That's all we're talking. <laughs> Instapot recipes. <laughs> What's this whole thing called an air fryer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Have you tried one? Uh, no. Oh, that's your boy. That's your next thing. <laughs> We've that's got a year worth of material now. Yeah. Have you heard of a microwave? <laughs> that I have. <laughs> Never used one, but all right, Ted. If people want to talk to you about mutton or uh, instapotting or pressure cookers or air fryers or anything about grilling or just life in general, how do they get a hold of you? You're going to find me at tedreader.com or on Instagram at tedgrills. Rock Mornings with With Craig Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.